0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Pacers looked to extend their win streak to three and stay above 500 when they took on the Chicago Bulls Monday night. Doug McDermott, a new starter for this Pacers team, did not play due to an injury. He was replaced by T.J. McConnell in the starting lineup. And for the Pacers, it was a rough night shooting. The ball is not falling early, but a late spurt in the fourth quarter sent this game to overtime at 112. They were carried by T.J. McConnell's 42 minutes, Malcolm Brogdon's 42, and Sabonis's 43. Those would also be the top three scores for this Pacer team. But for the Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine continues to put on his Awesome scoring performance season. He played 38 minutes and scored 30 points, including a big three at the end of regulation, and a couple big shots in overtime. As the Bulls defeat the Pacers 120 to 112. Welcome in the Lockdown Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, coast this wonderful show. And on today's podcast, nothing too difficult. We'll break down the Pacers 120 to 112 loss to the Bulls. I will talk about one pivotal moment in this game, which I think uh I don't know who to blame. Not sure there's any blame for it, but it just kind of sucked that, what happened from it. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about Sabonis, who has been, I would say, struggling as of late. And by late, I mean the past, let's say, week. Um, still having a great season, but has not been up to his, you know, unusually high standard the past week or so. Um, but first, where I want to start with tonight's game is TJ McConnell. So Tony and I spent a lot of time talking about McConnell yesterday's podcast and just how good he's been. And tonight, he was superb again. So he played, like I said, he played 42 minutes. He was 8 of 9, shooting for 19 points. Uh, he was an offensive, whatever you want to call it, maestro for this team while he was uh, out there. I mean, he helped push this team in the end of the fourth quarter to, to kind of fight their way back in. And he scored some of their only points in overtime, keeping him around slightly. You know, he made a 3, which is to see more of him when he makes more of those and whatnot. But you can't say enough good things about McConnell, who... I could argue, you know, he's always been a really good role player, um, you know, seventh, eighth guy off the bench, but he's becoming the Pacers' sixth man really fast. Now, say McDermott, just Holliday started too many games to be a sixth man at this point, but um, and McDermott started a decent amount of games too now. But McConnell's been um, just slowly moving up in terms of, like, he could be a real playoff asset where last year he was pretty much run off the court by the Miami Heat, frankly. But he's looked so good this year. He has uh, been an adequate defender for his size, which I mean that is he is creating a lot of pressure on the ball, a lot of high energy, getting steals, just doing all the, kind of these little things that add up to make him an average defender. And offensively, because of his passing, and because he's becoming uh, just a much um, more efficient scorer and much better at kind of taking advantage of the right moments, right catching a guy not moving fast enough, beating him to the rim, or weaving in and out to get kind of a eight foot little jump shot, or even making a three when he's wide open. He has been. Uh, really, really good this this year. Particularly tonight um, at helping carry this pitch team. And it, it's, you know, game to game, you can look at the plus minus stats and that's what we'll do in a second. Um, but he was a minus eight because of the overtime. But he did not play a good chunk of that third quarter and that was the Pacers probably worst quarter of the game, right? They were um, outscored by four, just the most in any quarter they outscored entire game. Uh, he ended up um, there's a reason for that, you know, McConnell not being out there is huge for this Pacers teams, but really there's one other Pacer player that's been huge. And I think actually there's one key moment in this Pacer game that sort of cost them the game. And, um, if you know, this one player had been in, they probably would have won the game. Before I talk about that, I have to go to today's sponsor and that is rock rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now. You can shop for Auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake pads to tail lamps, motor load, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate it's unique you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications and prices that you prefer best of all rockauto.com are always reliably low in the same for do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and you can see all the parts available for your car truck and write locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n in the how do you hear about a section so that they know we sent you main selection Live below prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So with six fifty left in this game, and the game tied at eighty-eight, the Pacers, who had made a nice little run, they were down as much as I think nine points. They were down eighty-four, eighty-five. Were on a fourteen-to-four run, uh, mainly sparked by a starting fourth quarter led by Miles Turner and Teach McConnell, who have been the Pacers' two best. Really, I mean plus-minus guys, right? When they're on the floor, the Pacers just outscored teams by a tongue. Part of that is playing with the bench unit. Part of that is turning defense and the energy. But whatever it is, for five minutes and seconds, seconds into the court, Pacers are on a 14-4 run. And then there's a foul. Originally, the foul is called on Jeremy Lamb, who basically swats. Uh, I think it's Wendell Carter. Yeah, Wendell Carter's ball like halfway into the stands. Uh, he gets all ball there. They call foul on Jeremy Lamb originally. So Nate Bjorker gets up and challenges because Lamb is screaming. I mean, Lamb is saying, it's all ball, all ball. And he's right. It was all ball. Well, on the coach's challenge, they don't call a foul on Jeremy Lamb, but they call on a Miles Turner. It makes Turner's fifth foul of the game, which means he has to go out of the game, replaced by Sabonis, who I believe at the time also had five fouls or had four. But whatever it was, you know, they had to turn around because they didn't want him to game you know, they want to be able to play the last three minutes, especially with the overtime they needed him and whatnot. Uh, and from that point on, um, this game stayed much closer than it should have. So Turner does not re enter the game until the 343 mark, and they're basically tied 94. So he left when they were tied, and he comes back in when they're tied. But I can make a very good case the way they were playing with him, the way Turner was playing, and he had been really superb defensively this game had been a huge factor. It was just starting to heat up offensive, just starting to get going. I think they probably would have been winning this game by a point or two by the time if he had stayed the whole fourth quarter. They probably would have pulled ink this out by two or three points, right? They ended up tied. tied End of the end of regulation, obviously, at, a, at one, at a, I think 107 ended up being, or 105 was the overtime um, tie. But I think there's a good, there's a pretty case. Turner plays all the whole fourth quarter. They, they win this game, and that critical moment to challenge that play, which is not wrong because it was not a foul on Jeremy Lamb, but it ended up being extremely costly for this team. And ironically, I think cost in this game. Um, you know, there's another moments right, so you can go to Sabonis. He obviously missed that shot that sh- felt like it should have gone in, um, but that happens. I mean, it's, you know. That shot should have gone in for some bonus. But to me, it's come down to that moment. If Turner is not in foul trouble in that fourth quarter, which I assume when he had four fouls and he wasn't playing in the third, I'm like, oh, he's going to play the whole fourth. Sam with McConnell. It's been be good for them because McConnell and Turner have been their best plus-minus guys and best net rating players pretty much throughout the first um, 27 games, you look at it. Just just because I think of their combination together, the defense, the when they're playing, right? They've been really good for them. They've really helped them extend um, leads against kind of bad units, right? So the McConnell... Turner lineup, whether both around it, is a starting-level quality lineup playing against bench players, and that's why it succeeds. And, man, Turner getting that fifth foul, which he didn't have originally. If they didn't challenge, would have happened. I think ultimately cost Pacers this game, and it's really unfortunate because this is a game they, they needed, right? So the team has an easier schedule coming up, but the Bulls are just not very good, right? The Bulls moved to 11-15 with this one. The Pacers still sit fourth in the East, but it's worth noting from four to basically ten, is separated by two games, right? So the Bulls are 11, 15, coming back at the Pacers. The Heat are 11, 15, coming back at the Pacers. Uh, then in between, there's Boston, New York, Charlotte, Toronto. So uh, it's a very competitive East right now. Um, actually, even going to, to the 11 seed, you've got two and a half games separating four through 11, which means there could be a team of those seven um, Hawks are 11. Seed right now they could miss the playoffs um, based on like a bad losing streak at this point. So th- th- this game was needed. It would have helped continue the Pacers' win streak. I think they'll be able to get one or two other wins this week. I think I picked them to go 3-0. Obviously, they're not going to go 3-0. Um, but this was a game they needed, and I think that Turner moment was a, was a key part of it. Looking at, uh, at other parts of the game, um, you know, Turner offensively wasn't superb. Tonight. He could, it was 1 of 6 from 3, and that was a—obviously, when you're in a game like this, one extra shot makes a difference. Um, but I thought defensively, he was still really good. He was the really only positive player on the court except for Jakar. Jakar's high energy. Minutes. Um, you know, it's worth mentioning, Malcolm Brogdon continues to just be like a high-volume player for this team. Um, I just feel for him right now in some ways. I think he came to the Pacers especially to play next to Victor Oladipo. Obviously, now, when Vic... You know, Vic was still hurt, so they didn't know he going to return. But I think he was coming to a team thinking, I'm going to be kind of the the, the 1A, 1B. B." Um, I do don't think he's suited to be a 1A on any team. He just... He just I don't know. He doesn't quite have that kind of level, although he's a pretty good clutch player. I mean, he he had a really nice clutch shot tonight. But he's just not like – he can't carry the offense, I think, at at an efficient way for 80-something games, 70-something games, right? Um, But he comes to this team. He ends up being kind of the 1A next to Sabonis, next to to Warren offensively, and it fits his style perfectly. Uh, And then with injuries now, it's just him and Sabonis out there, and the guys that fit with him, which I think Warren and I think Harris will ultimately fit with him really well, are just not there. And so it's just kind of like he has to really, really – push himself night in and night out into an exhausting point um you know i hope he's able to stay healthy and whatnot but i, I kind of feel for him i feel like he's being kind of pushed to a level maybe he doesn't necessarily need to be or it, the level being pushed at makes him less successful and that means less efficient right he's still scoring you know 20 plus points he's probably averaging out with know, 27 and 7 i think is where he's at close to this year um his stats are 21 six and five so close or six and a half and four and a half um they're not quite seven seven but he, he just looks like he's being pushed to a limit um, where he could really use some help, right? I mean, he was shooting a 50-40-90 at one point. Now he's at a 44-39-90, which for anybody don't know, that splits a field goal percentage, three points. percentage, a free throw percentage. So he'll really, he use some help out there. Um, obviously, the miss McDermott tonight. Um, anytime where they lose a game by this close, I always think, oh, yeah, just have McDermott a little bit, right? They basically got um, 19 points off their bench in total. And... You know, if you take McConnell's points, that would have been 38. They had McDermott. Um, Lamb played well, continues to play well. Not the best defender, but continues to play pretty well out there. Aaron Holiday, though, um, not good. I thought Sumner in his in his few minutes out there showed some strong, strong highlights, and I hopefully will earn him some more minutes, right? I think Sumner deserves some more time. I think there needs to be some discussion of, like, do we play Sumner a little bit over it? Do we, you know, give Aaron Holiday a couple DNP CDs for Sumner just to see? Because um, Sumner provides a lot of energy. He's a better defender than Aaron Holiday. Not as good a shooter, but Aaron Holiday is one of six tonight. So how good a shooter really is, Aaron Holiday at this point. So um, I know I'm not I'm not like original to that crowd. There's a there's a large Sumner should play Mets contingent in Pacers Twitter and Tony is a big advocate. So not saying anything original there, but I think if anything tonight, I'm sure I was like maybe Sumner should get a little more time, give him a little opportunity. Um, it does seem like Brookins has some kind of aversion to that. You know, he didn't play Sumner early, then he gave him a little bit of minutes, and pulled them back. So. I don't know what it is. Maybe he doesn't like the way someone's playing in practice. Maybe he has more belief than Aaron Holiday. Maybe it's a management push. Who knows? But it feels like you should see Summer just a little bit more because it probably is better for this team, frankly. Um, other notes I kind of are down from tonight. Uh, man, so I keep going back to it. I'll, I'll talk about this next segment. Um, Justin Holiday had another good game. He had a tough struggle. He had a guard, basically Zach Levine, who uh, did put up 30 points but wasn't super efficient. And did okay thaddeus young um drew a lot of fouls from turner and sabonis consistently uh really frustrated sabonis at sometimes and there there were a couple points there was a there was a, a full six point swing at the end of the third quarter where uh sabonis got called a th- i don't think he pushed that but it, he basically got called for outside foul on the play before that on thad he was so frustrated he pushed i think it was kobe white or somebody um I'm not, I'm not even sure who he pushed um, on a Jeremy Lamb three that went in on a kind of a screen and pop. And if he didn't push him, Lamb would have made the three. That's what would have made it 76 73 instead. Three points off the board. Other end, Bulls nail three and 79 70 at the end of, I believe, at the end of the third quarter. So a six point swing by Sponge's frustrations. But Thaddeus really got into this Pacer team. I don't know if it's because he just has played with Turner and Sponge, so knows their little um, weaknesses or their irritants, but he did a good job on that tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean this Bulls team is decent. I mean, it's not like the worst loss. A Pistons loss would be bad. Although the Pistons have been beating good teams, or right? They beat Boston and they beat the Nets this last week when they lost the Pacers. But um a home game, day off of rest, a game you have tied, you have a game winning shot in, like, this is a game you should win against this Bulls team, and it's really, you know, unfortunate that they didn't get the win. That's 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 all I can say for it. So let's do this. Let's take one more break and then I wanna talk about some bonuses, recent struggles, and why I think Uh, He has not played the best as of late. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even has odds on awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They give you real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. big bet I like? is the future mvp odd lebron is soaring up those right now i'm uh, a big fan of lebron and that fifth mvp all about the narrative Betterline.hg has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it is free to sign up head to the website or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that means for every hundred dollars you put down they will give you 50 bucks for free that's if you use the promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n BetEyeLine.ag, your online sports book experts. Why has DeMontis Sabonis been so bad recently? I don't think there's one single answer, but defenses are swarming the fuck out of him. Excuse my language. I mean, so he, so let's take his last two weeks, right? Um, so today is the 15th that I'm recording this, 15th at 12, well, I guess it's 16th now, 16th at 12.02 a.m., he has had, I believe, four games where he shot below 500 in the last 10 days. If you go back to, um, you know, right around his injury time, it's it's six, right? He got hurt in one of 10 in that game against Toronto before he got hurt. It's six in the last 12 games, so it's about half of them, right? He shot below 50%, and, you know, that would be kind of normal, right, for most players. Um, but for Galaxy Bonus, who... He's taking a lot of three foot, four foot shots. He should be able to shoot above 50% most nights. That's when he's having a good night, right? A couple times he had, he had really good nights, right? He had 32 points against Memphis. He was 13 of 15, 33 against Milwaukee in the street. He was 4 of 25. Other times he's been 3 of 13, 7 of 19, 7 of 20. Tonight he was 7 of 19. Um, and he's being swarmed. I mean, he is being. Teams are double teaming him, forcing the ball out his hands. They want him to make that pass. They want, to, And he's been better at that, right? I mean, he's not a bad passer. So it's worth, you know. He's he's good has a very good assist numbers this year. Um, I believe he is at he's got about five point five assists per game. Uh, his overall stat line is twenty one points, eleven and a half and five point five assists. So he's been really good at, at kind of getting the ball and finding guys. Um, but he is, it's hard for him. I mean, first of all, he's not getting a ton of foul calls. I mean, he is his free throw rate is not as high as you think for a center, right? I think he is about he is taking five point three free throws per game which ranks him 24th in the league of free throws attempts per game. Uh, Some centers ahead of him are Jokic at 5.4, Rudy Gobert at 5.6, Bam at 6.1, and Joel Embiid, who's leading the league at 11.3. In terms of field goal attempts, right, his, his field attempts are not as high as some of those guys. But it feels like he is drawing a lot of contact, right? He goes at the rim. He's got three guys around him hitting his arms. I don't know if he's not getting the calls right now or what it, or what it is, but uh, to me, it feels like he should be getting more free throws per game um, just because of the contact. But if he's not going to get the calls, which he's probably not at this point, it feels like, he has got to figure out how to um, find different ways to score. They've got to get the ball to him earlier in the shot clock, or they've, they've got to be able to and they do this sometimes is run things as he's trying to set himself up, right? So, um, like the players almost have to assume that he's going to get trapped, right? So as soon as he gets trapped, they have to. You want top the action movement to create a guy open for a three point shot, whether it's off the ball action, McDermott running around, or um, you can say with Justin Holiday or whatnot. So the one thing is McDermott did not play tonight, and that's a huge thing that affects the bonus a lot. Is the fact that if you don't have have a McDermott out there. Um, He's just not nearly as good. He needs a guy... You know, McDermott is, is just a huge... Um, he just adds a ton of this Pacer team. He provides a ton of extra spacing. He's a great spot-up shooter, so he can, you know, give him the ball on one... You know, on the pass directly in his range. Of it. So, he, he helps to bonus a ton. So, um, you're seeing games like that where he just is struggling when he doesn't have McDermott out there. But he is... He's not been that great of late, right? He's been... I would say I would say let's call it inconsistent, right? Because he hasn't been bad, right? And he's been a really good player overall. I mean, obviously he's putting up all-star level numbers. He had the again because he made it last year, and there's kind of always a push to get guys made the year before or whatnot. Had a lot of twenty-point games and whatnot. He's just not been as efficient as I would have liked, right? So when you look at his like stats this year compared to previous years, so he's obviously he's about two points higher than he was last year, um, but he's down in field goal percentage overall. Um, He's slightly higher in effective efficiency because of his three-point shot, um, but his shots around the rim, percentage-wise, is slightly down compared. So if you look at his um, inside three feet, this year is slightly down from his career best. Um, three to ten feet is way down, um, almost six percentage points down, and those are those are the kind of shots that he's been missing, right? So those little like floaters and whatnot you'd see from him. Um, it just seems like teams are kind of kind of figuring out the game plan on if that makes sense, or have a game plan for him. You know, he's still really good. It just, he has to be a little more efficient, right? On a night, like tonight, where he's 7 of 19. I mean, obviously, he makes one more shot, they win the game. That's a simple thing. He took a lot of free throws tonight. He took 14 free throws tonight. So he had a nice free throw night game um, to make up for the fact that he didn't shoot very well. Um, and he drew a lot of fouls. So that, that was a good thing tonight. But I just, he's not drawing fouls at the end of games because they're not giving the calls. And he's got to figure out. Okay, well then, am I being double? You know, what's my kind of go-to move? Right? He's got a couple different moves where he can spin in and spin around and lay off the glass and whatnot. But um, it just feels like he needs to be a tiny bit more efficient shooting-wise. Uh, he has too many like for like easy misses uh, that almost he's like so open that he misses it and whatnot. Um, but I don't want it to seem like that. Like me picking him is being is being terrible because he's been obviously the Pacers' probably best offensive player this year. But um, to me, he's being, I guess, the way he's played recently is holding him back from elite level status, right? You know, I think he was having a, a borderline All-NBA type season. Obviously, I went to the centers list. There are a few good centers in the league, right? You know, you got Rudy's going to be All-NBA. Joel will be probably All-NBA. Bam, so there are some centers ahead of him. But I thought he was getting closer to the Bam level um, type of player. And Bam has been, I think, slightly better than this year. I mean, Bam's shooting a little better from the field than him. Obviously, in line a little more, less points per game, but is playing less minutes as well. Bam's only playing 33. Spones is playing about close to 36. So they're, you know, and that's where I think he needs to be, right? Could he be on Bam level and projection, right? Bam has got a whole, whole other side of the defense, defensive end where he's just so good. and But offensively, they're, they're similar S players, right? Guys who seem to try and develop the ball in their hands more, trying to make them kind of point centers in a way and he just supposed to have been struggling as of late in term just being able to be super efficient on shots that he should make, right? He's, you know, it'd be different if he was going out there and missing, he had a night where he's missed six threes, but like, yeah, you know, going out there and missing a ton of threes, being like, oh, well, that's why he, you know, shot seven of, of, you know, 19 tonight, right? I believe tonight he took, he took two threes and missed both, right? But um, he had some nights where he's missed, you know, he's missed five threes, but there's a night he missed five threes, that was eight of 13 on two point shots. I mean, that's, that's what you want. He needs to be in like the mid fifties on two point shots, if not higher, because he's taking a lot of close range shots and if he's got to make them. Um, yeah, I mean, he just has to be a tiny bit more efficient. I mean, I, I will say the free throw thing I like tonight. It will boost his free percentage probably past Jokic because um, the stat i was using was from not not tonight, but he um, just got he just got to make a few more shots. I mean, that, it, it, it got to be these easy shots, right? Like the end game shot, man. It was just it should have gone in, frankly. But that's the kind of shot he's got to make. Um, you know, he's right there. He's you know being guarded by a six-nine Thaddeus Young. He Goes right at top, and should just be able to throw that ball in. And maybe just a bad bounce to recover from it and whatnot. But just got to be a slightly better, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, I mean, I'm every player tonight, but especially him, who I think is the one pacer player who is like borderline an All NBA guy um, and could be, be an All NBA guy someday. Maybe Karras over it. Well, I mean, I haven't seen Karras yet, so we'll see what happens to that. But uh, he's one of the few guys who I think has an All NBA potential on this roster, and he just got to be just a tiny bit better to reach that level. And it just because he's such a high standard for him, we want more out of him, basically. But I think the Patriots will cover on. Uh, I think play Wednesday against the Timberwolves. Uh, I think the T Wolves are not very good. Pacers have been playing better of late, even the loss tonight. They at least should have won this game. Uh, I think they'll need a nice recovery. I think they'll beat the Wolves. We'll see, though. Tony will bring you a preview of that game. I'll break that game down for you Wednesday night and the Thursday morning whenever I post that show. Probably somewhere around midnight. Um, it is a 7 o'clock Eastern time game. Or, I'm sorry, 8 o'clock Eastern time game, 7 o'clock Central, because Minnesota's not Central time. Uh, then, on Friday, Tony will bring you a preview of the Rockets, who could have Victor Oladipo, could not. We'll find out. That's all I got for this Locked on Pacers podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Pacers. That's all for today's show. We will see you guys again tomorrow.